But that's what was so incredible is how brave she was to state her intention to do something where she might not even get it. And if she can do that, imagine, you know, we should all go, we should all go for our dreams. There's nothing to lose, literally. And there's, you know, she would never regret it. So we cheered for that, for the bravery of declaring your intention. And of course, a year after that, we, we all know what happened. Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelly Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. Hello and welcome back, my fellow rebel souls. Happy International Women's Day. I'm so excited. And you guys know I've already declared, I think I can't be the only one who's declaring that the entire month, I mean, frankly, it should just always be a celebration of women and women advancing and all things equality and pay and power. Today's a big day and we're celebrating throughout the month. Today is special because, you know, I've got these three badass women who I wanted to bring you in when, you know, March, International Women's Month, as I'm now calling it. And I really wanted this particular interview to land today. This interview is with Claire Wasserman, who has been out there for a number of years doing incredible work in really rebelling for She's her book is called and her organization is called Ladies Get Paid. So she's rebelling for ladies getting paid, which is basically she's rebelling for equality and pay and power for women. So it feels like a really fitting day to be dropping this conversation. There are so many juicy nuggets in terms of Claire's work and that she highlights from the book in this conversation. And if you're wondering who's Claire Wasserman, I hadn't heard of her either before our paths crossed and we then all of these crazy things, small world, we know some similar people and her book was also named on Forbes's list of 21 books to read in 2021, all kinds of accolades. She was on Good Morning America, which we talk about because how could I not? I want to know what that experience is like, just prepping myself because you know, the day will come when the Today Show and GMA will come a calling. We all got to, I'm ready to show up every day like it's recording day and like I'm going to the Today Show. So I want to read you a little bit about Claire because she has such an impressive background. She comes out of, you know, the corporate world had kind of this awakening around the inequity and just the treatment of women in the workplace and wanted to become an advocate and started creating these informal town halls where women could come together and talk about how can we move ahead and start to close that equality gap and support each other in the process. And that ultimately became Ladies Get Paid which is the organization that she's founded, that she runs. So let me lead, read a little bit about her. So she is an educator, author, and founder of Ladies Get Paid, as I just said, a global community and educational platform that champions the professional and financial advancement of women. She's also the producer of a podcast or the producer and host, I think. Yeah, of the podcast, um, John Hancock's podcast called Friends Who Talk About Money. So if money's a thing and this all resonates with you guys, please go out and check out her podcast. Not only buy the book, check out the podcast. Um, but she's basically traveled the country teaching thousands. I think now it's hundreds of thousands of women how to negotiate millions of dollars in raises, start businesses and advocate for themselves in the workplace. She was even named as one of Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Powerful Women. And she's a highly sought out expert for, you know, Fortune 500 companies to go in and talk to these companies about diverse 
diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, she's spoken at, I mean, the, the who's who, the Facebooks and the Nikes and um, even the city of Los Angeles. She's spoken at Harvard. And actually she said, we talked in this interview about the fact that she was just asked to go and speak with um, the Wall Street Journal as well. So there's some really cool things. You guys will get a better sense for what she speaks on. The thing I love about this is it's practical. We talk about the mission she's on and then she breaks it down. What does this mean for us? How can we change our behavior? How can we support each other? What can we be a part of? And her book is it is literally a resource. It is a practical guide, um, you know, even more in depth than mine in terms of here's what you can do. Here are steps you can take. And then at the back resources for how we can become bigger advocates for systemic change. Yeah, just really amazing, amazing stuff. This is a woman we all need to know all of the links and where you can find her and her book and her work and the kinds of talks that she does. If this rings true and you want to bring her into your company, I loved this and there couldn't be better timing. I am most definitely going to see Claire for a coffee when I get back to LA and she is doing big freaking work in this world that will benefit all of us. You know, this is the rising tide metaphor. And um, that's what we're doing. We're rising the tide. So ladies get paid and we see more women in senior executive roles and um, getting the, you know, the pay and the respect and the power that's well-deserved. So I hope you are incredibly inspired by what she does and it'll help you break your own barriers, own your worth, take command of your career, and just step up and own your power in a way that maybe has felt really hard to do to date. So I'm excited. Happy International Women's Day. This is my gift to you. Step up, own your power. Let's support each other and let's get more and more women in the senior boardrooms and in the important conversations across all kinds of companies, large, small, medium size. I'm super excited. So let's dive into my conversation with Claire. Enjoy you guys. Hey, hey, Rebel Souls. I'm so excited for this one. You guys know that I've been talking to badass babes for what I've now called International Women's Month because to hell with the idea of celebrating for one day and one day only. But this conversation is dropping on International Women's Day and it's super special because I get to talk to, I'm Claire, I'm just going to call you my new friend, my new <laughs> friend, Claire Wasserman. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're all missing our friends so much in COVID. So the fact that I can make a new one, this is so exciting. Amen. Amen. So it's interesting, Claire and I were talking off camera and uh, we have such a small world connection and it's not actually not even the way that we came together, but we realized that we have friends in common that we're both living in LA now. And Claire, I didn't even say this to you. So first of all, we're both Simon and Schuster author, uh, authors and congratulations on your book, baby. Congratulations. Yeah, well, that all my friends, up. all my friends are having actual babies or I guess human babies. I have 320 pages of a baby here. Yeah. Oh my god, sister, I felt exactly the same way. I am divorced with no kids and so when my Damn. book came out in January of 2020, I was like, this is my baby and I'm going to love her like a human baby. Yes, yeah. And <laughs> so, she was equally difficult to birth. Oh, amen to that. So we share that and I'm super excited yours just came out in January of so literally like a year after mine, which is so awesome to celebrate. And we're going to talk a lot about it in this conversation. And then the second thing is, we didn't even talk about this. You and I were both on the recent Forbes list, 21 books to read in 2021. Both our badass books are on that list. So congrats on that too. Thank you. Thank you. And we can talk a little bit later. I have a connection to Stephanie who wrote the piece, a very interesting connection. Oh, all right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hold out for that, for yeah. that scoop. And one other thing, cause I have to say like on my dream list is getting on to the today show and good morning America. And I saw you on good morning America with Robin Roberts. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay. So first, before we get into our whole conversation, what did that feel like? 
Oh, well, first of all, I was basically asleep because my, the tech check was at 3.45 a.m. my time because I'm in LA. And then I went on at, I guess, eight o'clock their time. So what, five, six, seven, so 5 a.m. my time. And I was trying not to be overly caffeinated because I was already so nervous. So the fact that I was even halfway articulate, like good job me and my book was on the Jumbotron. They put it up there and they didn't tell me. And I, it's a very cute clip. Uh, so I encourage everybody to look it up because I basically, you know, fall off my chair and Robin Robert, Robin Roberts laughs at me. <laughs> oh my God. I, so we will, we will make sure the clip to that is in the show notes okay. because that is exactly what I saw. So yeah. you rocked it and it could not have been cuter where you were like, Oh, like you could just see your face. And I feel like I have goosebumps saying this when you realize that your book was on the Jumbotron at freaking Times Square. It's amazing. So you are making a lot of dreams come true and you are what you stand for and the movement you're leading is so powerful. Like you are the type of woman that I feel such a kinship with because I always say I'm an impact billionaire. Or I want to be an impact billionaire. Don't care about the money. I care about the impact. And I care about, in my case, souls liberated and lives changed. And in your case, let's talk about what are you rebelling for? What is this movement all about? Mm -hmm. Well, I, let me just say, billionaire impact and billionaire billionaire because I'm I want the money along with my impact and I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive and I and I talk about that a lot so I I started ladies get paid in 2016 it was kind of my reaction to the wage gap the leadership gap the investment gap the funding gap I mean you sort of like name the gap in our society it was like women and particularly women of color we're near nowhere near close to parity to parody. And it's a real problem, not just for us, but for everybody. But what do you do? What do you do when something is so systemic and overwhelming, you know, as an individual, even just on Monday, what do you do? And I didn't really have an answer other than let's just get a bunch of women together and ask them to talk about money because money represented a lot of the research I was doing in that it was going to be a conversation around power. Mm. and freedom and value. And what did that mean to these women? And just was so clear that, you know, we had never had a space to be just brutally honest with each other about our disappointments and fears and frustrations at work. And again, no idea what I was going to do next other than, well, I guess let's just keep talking. And I, I made a Slack group the night of that event. And it became abundantly clear that there were tangible tools that these women needed that in fact could close their own wage gap, primarily salary negotiation. Mm. And so I could see in Slack all of these specific things these women needed education around. And I began hiring career coaches, finding them office space. You know, a company would host us. I'd split the ticket profits with them. I mean, we were charging like 10, 15, 20 bucks. I would get these women to come. I'd, I had been in community building and marketing before. So I was starting from a place where I did have a network I could pull from. And because of Slack, anybody and everybody could join from all over the world. I quit my job soon after. But to, to sort of back up for a second, let me just say what Ladies Get Paid does. So we are an organization that helps women, you know, learn how to get recognized and rewarded. And that can be through professional development. That can be through financial education. And we have webinars, a video library, that Slack group, and a conference every year. So 1,300 women came this year. And that, of course, was an interesting pivot from, you know, in person to online. So the fact that we still exist, that's a success, you know, through COVID. And the fact that we now have grown from 100 women in Slack when I began to 75,000 women from all 50 states, more than 120 countries, I think is a real testament to them and oh their desire to support each other. Absolutely. Like you're really, you're building a sisterhood that's rebelling for equal pay and yes. power, right? Yes. Yep. And I also, I also work with companies. So that, that's the thing. I mean, learning, you know, how we can advocate for ourselves is like chipping away at a very small chip, right? It's, it's helping your own, your own life, which is great. That's not doing anything to improve the system though. And so that's where we work with companies about, you know, how do we identify policies that can make them more inclusive? And then of course that the real change happens when it comes to laws, you know, yeah. and, and so highlighting women who are working towards, you know, paid family leave. And, you know, there are so many other women out there who have fantastic organizations who are pushing at this from that more of a macro level. And so we, you know, we shine a spotlight on them. We get women to donate. And so it's, it's just exciting to see though there's not been progress really made during COVID. There's a lot we've lost. I'm feeling pretty optimistic. I think there's, well, there's a lot people well, are doing. 
Well, let's talk about that for a second, because one of the things I had written down as I was thinking about what you're doing in the world and what, you know, the, the trails that you and ladies get paid as an organization are blazing it is right now feels like a really important time to be having this conversation because women are losing jobs since the pandemic started at like an unprecedented rate. I think I actually heard you, it was you who cited the number like 5.4 million jobs lost since the start of the pandemic, specifically to women. Yeah. Well, I know last month it was 140,000 jobs that were lost entirely oh. women. And actually there are people getting hired. There are people getting raises, but they're men. They're men. So movement is happening. It's not all downward for everybody. So that I want to make that clear. Yeah. But it feels like because of those statistics last month and what's been happening over the past year of the COVID-19 pandemic, like this is a really important time to be having this conversation, like helping us as women understand how do we advocate for ourselves, yeah. right? How do we advocate? How do we negotiate? How do we step into our power? All the things. That's one of the reasons I loved your book because we'll get into some of the tips. Like it, your book is so practical it's a really powerful story about how we can all stand together and how we can lead systemic change. And it's also a practical guide and a handbook of like how each one of us can do this in our own lives and in our own careers. So kudos for that, because I want yeah. everybody who's listening right now, like fellow rebel souls, like this is one you want to pick up because it really truly is a handbook to us fighting for that equality and fighting, you know, in pay and power. I love how you say that, but Claire, I want to take a huge step back and say, how did you even get into this? So we know this has been, this has been a thing for a very long time. And it's kind of like racism. I recently had a really powerful conversation on this podcast with Justin Michael Williams, who's on a mission to end racism in our generation. And what was interesting is I kind of drew a parallel to what you're doing in, with women and equal rights and equal pay and equal power, that this is something that we can make happen. And we can make this happen now, right? Well, we, we joke that we, the kind of work we're doing is we're trying to put ourselves out of business, right? I like wish yeah. I never had to do this. That's very optimistic of him to say ending in this generation. I, you know, listen, progress is not linear. You know, it's like you take one step forward and then you take two steps backwards. I think we've seen that even with just like who's in office. So it does require strategic, you know, you have to be strategic, but also just commitment and vigilance and momentum. And how do you get people to be positive about this too, right? Because it's, it can all be so depressing. Yeah. And so that's interesting too, you know, and, it, and it's oftentimes just celebrating the little wins, the little wins, just speaking up in a meeting. If we all did that, right, there's a domino effect or there's a sort of, you know, we're all moving the needle in some way. It's small, but together, you know, the collective is is powerful. I just want to say one thing about the 140,000 jobs that were lost, just so people understand some of the nuances here. Most of those jobs came from service workers. Okay. So these are literally high touch industries that have just been shut down because of the pandemic. Think about nail salons, right? The hospitality, right? So those industries tend to be filled with women, particularly black and brown women, and oftentimes hourly and they don't have benefits, okay? So this is a group of people who were already very vulnerable. And then the other side is women who maybe were full-time, kind of white collar workers, but wait, they're the default caretakers. And so if kids are staying home from school, who now has to homeschool them? So they may choose to take a step back, but I call it a forced choice. And yeah. then the last part is, and there's like, obviously, you know, the discrimination, which is, ah, can she really do it all? We know, you know, she distracted helping the kids. And so that's not on the choice of the woman. That's the employer saying, ah, I'm not going to give her the raise. And maybe she goes, well, we can't afford, we can't afford it. I have to stay home for the childcare. And so this is also an economic decision that comes from a bit of the discrimination, but that's where the work that all of us can do, it does have to come in different parts right? So because it's the service workers, I would encourage everybody to look into one fair wage. I Jen Poo, you know, who's, who's really working towards, you know, protecting hospitality workers. And so I, I always want to say, I want to make that clear. And what we do is really, how do you grow your bank account? And that begins with getting a raise, which of course begins with doing work that gets you visible, doing work that impacts the bottom line. And then it's okay. Now you got the money. How are you going to grow the money? 
So that's where ladies get paid is, is really, really focused. But when you hear those horrible statistics, I really encourage everybody to look for the organizations that are, are going after the public policy. So I just, I want to say that over and over again, because I think a lot of us are just feeling really helpless now, yeah. but there are things you can do like giving $5. I love it. And you've got some great resources in the book. So again, when you read the book, you'll see in the back, like I just thought it was brilliant. Like you have a beautiful resource guide there for, you know, to take action, right? So for the whole book is about how we can do it for ourselves, how we can do it together. And then there's a whole resource guide on how we can literally start to influence policy and law, like you're saying, which I love. So thank you for, thank you for that. So a couple of things, because I want to get into the nuts and bolts of the book. I would love our community of rebel souls to get some really juicy nuggets out of this, but I feel like I'd be remiss in not allowing you to share a little bit of your story of what led you here, because I was intrigued by that in the book. I kind of came out of, you know, similar 26 years in the corporate world. A lot of the same kind of events that you described where it was like, Oh my God. Right. So uh, give us just a little like hint of that story, what led you into this work. And then let's start diving into some of the juiciness that's in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the book really came from realizing that I would had been objectified most of my career and that I had been expending just so much energy caring about what others thought of me, mostly men. And, you know, inappropriate scenario, you know, when I thought I was networking, some guy thinking that, oh no, this is a date. And just, it was exhausting. And I internalized it all. I thought, well, maybe I smiled too much. This must be my fault. (sighs) I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't know about things like microaggressions. It was when I began to discover discover things like that and never realize this is bigger than me. This is not my fault. Aha. It was an aha moment. The book came about by connecting with a woman who I told her about. I'd gone across the country a year into starting Ladies Get Paid. I'd hosted town halls in 19 cities, seeing thousands of women with the subject of let's talk about money. They were town halls, right? They were these open forums. I really got to see the energy, right? What these women needed, what they wanted. They joined Slack, Two million messages have been exchanged since 2016. So I have had the privilege of a bird's eye view. And and this woman that I connected with, she said, gosh, Claire, I really think you have a book in you. And I thought, this early? You know, it was sort of like the advice that I give other women, which is like, jump before you're ready. Like, Uh you know, you're more of an expert than you know. And also like, whoever's an expert is somebody who says they're an expert. And also nobody has your voice. That was something, you know, there's so many other women's books out there about career development. Like, what could I add to that conversation. My tone, my voice, my desire to sort of bring together the the micro, the individual with the macro, right? That was unique. And I was introduced to an agent six months later. I had a deal. So I feel, I don't want to say I'm lucky because again, I tell women it's not about luck. It's about creating opportunities for yourself, right? So you work really hard and then an opportunity comes and, oh, it feels like luck, but it's really kind of fate that you orchestrated. But I do feel kind of lucky and I'm, I'm very grateful for, you know, for these women believing in me. Absolutely. And I love, like, that's probably a perfect segue into some of the stuff in your books. I was just looking down at my notes. I was like, I have so many, I have so many highlights and so many like dog ears in this book. And I'm going to go back to it. And frankly, I'm going to use it with some of my clients. So thank you. Thank you for that. And, and I, I'm a big gifter of things for my clients. So when a book comes along where I'm like, Oh, that's the bullseye on some things I want to help you with. So your book is getting added to that short list. I just want you to know, but you just, one of the things that I wrote down, cause you do, let me reframe this. So one of the things I loved about your approach to this, and I, and I, I, it felt to me that this is probably how ladies get paid when you were doing the town halls. And as you're having these conversations, how it unfolded, you're really kind of doing like the inside out. Like what I thought mm-hmm. was so powerful is that you're starting from this place of like, how did we get here in the first place? And you yeah. really help us get to our values, our beliefs, you know, our mindset and the stories in our heads and simple, simple, I'm doing air quotes right now, simple, but totally insidious things like our imposter syndrome. And I must be lucky versus I deserve this. Right. Right. 
you, you hit head on. So can we talk a little bit about that? Cause you've got so many great tips on, I mean, imposter syndrome and values feels like, you know, two biggies we could tackle. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was what I found to be the universal when I went across the country and, and even just in, in seeing Slack, no matter how different these women thought they were, what really connected them was imposter syndrome and perfectionism. Not everybody had both. They, you know, I think they're kind of different sides of the same coin. They're, they're basically about what do others think of me, right? Working backwards from, you know, my performance, did I accomplish something and was I liked for it, right? Or did they see it as a success? Therefore, I am smart. I am competent. Well, you don't have control over what people think about you. And you don't always have control over the outcome of the work that you do. And so we really have to protect, sort of construct and protect our sense of self, irrespective of our performance. So yeah. hard to do. I'm still struggling with it. Let me give an example of how I did this with the book. So that for a year, I'm like freaking out about my book because I'm thinking, wow, I got this advance. They believe I'm an author. I've never proven this before. How, how do I know? Oh. It's like, I didn't... I had to see it to believe it, right? It's like, I was only going to feel good about myself if the book was a success. And I kept thinking about, well, am I going to get on the bestseller list? Oh, do Am I going to send, you know, sell all these books? And until I get that, I'm not going to be happy, right? Well, my God, am I going to spend, you know, two years feeling terrible? Well, I, I almost did. But the game changer for me was actually shifting the focus more to being selfish, which was, well, what can I learn from this? Can I, you know, breaking it down, making it really, you know, simple. All right, today, can I challenge myself to lose myself in my writing, right? Can I try to write without judgment? Well, here's a way I could do it. Let's write by pen and paper or something. About so you see, I just really, really made things as granular and as straightforward as I possibly could, staying within my own personal goals of that day instead of getting overwhelmed with the huge, huge pressure that was, yes, on me, but that I was very much taking on myself. Yeah. Um, and, and one piece of advice, you know, I would, I mean, at least with imposter syndrome, I would really start tracking those feelings when you tell yourself you're not smart enough to speak up. Do I deserve to be here? Because there's something that precipitates that, right? It's, it's not random. So maybe every time you're in a meeting, you start to have those feelings. Okay. Let's tackle that in the meeting. What is a way that you can, you know, combat this imposter syndrome, right? Force yourself to speak up. But hey, if you're too worried about presenting an idea, just speak up and say, hey, I want to just say, Shelly had a great idea. I just want to give kudos to her, right? So, or ask a really smart question so you can get used to the sound of your own voice and you're making yourself visible. But you only know to do that is if you've really broken down when, why, and where, and maybe who precipitates those feelings yeah. of imposter syndrome. So that's one piece. I'm going to talk about perfectionism real quick because I, I brought that up as kind of the other side of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Why do you think imposter syndrome or perfectionism is helping you? We do not do things unless we think in some way they're helping us. And subconsciously, maybe perfectionism is, right? You, you think, well, I'm more detail-oriented or I, I accomplish big things I, you know, because I'm a perfectionist. Well, the other side, well, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of if you were no longer a perfectionist? Usually it's the flip side. I will no longer be detail-oriented, right? I'll let things fall through the cracks. I'd be mediocre, right? Maybe I wouldn't be driven to do big things. Or I'll fail. Or I'll fail. But then you have to dig more into that. Like, what does failure actually mean? Mm -hmm. Whose voice is that, right? This is where, you know, I say buy my book, but also get a therapist. <laughs> so <laughs> this is like really intense work that is ongoing. You're not going to ever get rid of it. I'm sorry to say, but what you are going to do is get better at handling it. And instead yeah. of, you know, an hour or a day of feeling terrible, uh, maybe 10 minutes. The last thing I would say about perfectionism after you've kind of challenged yourself to, to you know, really decide, oh, am I really afraid? Do I really not trust myself to be able to get shit done in a great way without being a perfectionist? I would really look at like, what are the consequences of this behavior? Stress, anxiety, yelling, at my, you know, or, or having a lot of agita with my team or my spouse. Are those consequences worth it? Right. It's yeah. just juggling. Like you believing perfectionism is driving you to success. Wait a minute. All the consequences oh, is pretty negative. You have to make a choice. So, you know, there's my book in a nutshell, but hopefully I didn't give it all away and you'll still buy it. <laughs> no, there's still, there's so many juicy things in there because I love you take us through a lot of exercises. Yes. So, and, and there's there, what, uh, one of the things, so selfishly, one of the things I love is 
like there's so many complimentary pieces to our books, even though we're coming at you know, different topics from different angles. What I thought was really cool is you also spend like you spend some time talking about like, how do you figure out what lights you up? Yeah. You know, how do you figure out like, that's a big piece of it too, is like, what is the work that is truly fulfilling? Yeah. And that's something that I talk about a lot, right? There's definitely sort of like getting clear on our values, getting clear on like, I call them the soul fuels and the soul mm -hmm. sucks, but you mm -hmm. kind of had a similar exercise where it's like, what drains you mm -hmm. and what fuels you? And how do you get clear on that to even know what you want to step into? Right. Do you have any thoughts on, yeah. on that topic? Yes. Yes. We'll start from kind of the baggage that you're already carrying that you may not even realize is weighing you down. So I talk about in, in my book, and I wonder if you also talk about it, like the tyranny of the shoulds, right? This oh. This was the next thing on my list. You yes, totally read my yeah. mind. Yes. Yeah. I call them, I call them the shackles of should. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I love a good alliteration. Yeah. It's just what, you know, what do you think you should or shouldn't be doing when you, you know, what are assumptions you have about work and what is even possible? Right. And usually this is informed by how you were raised. Right. Or, you know, just visibility, right. You can't be what you can't see. So we're going to, you have to acknowledge that first. I think it's, it's really looking at not just sort of what makes you come alive, but it's where were you? I mean, think of how many times you've worked at a place where the reason you left was because of your manager or because of the environment. You may have really liked actually what you were doing. So, you know, that comes to your values. That comes to, are you a person who doesn't want to sit at your desk all day, right? I, I'm somebody who I want to be able to construct my day as I would like it. You know, where if I get my you know good work done at 9 p.m., I don't want to have to go into an office at 9 a.m. Well, clearly I maybe want to be an entrepreneur <laughs> or, or a freelancer. Yeah. So it's also knowing sort of how you work and not just sort of what you want to do. So um, other than that, I just think it's so important also to not think traditionally. What brings you energy and joy and fulfillment maybe has nothing to do with traditional work but that doesn't mean you can't make it traditional work. So if, you know, in the book, it's like, if you, I said, you know, if you love planning uh, events for your friends to do, or, you know, putting together dinner parties, not that we're doing that now, but you're kind of like the organizer, the wrangler, right? Does that mean you become a party planner? Maybe, but that's, you know, not really like it, it's actually about, well, what are my strengths? in doing this because the environment or, or sort of the, the goal of that job could be totally different, right? And I would say go in the direction of your curiosities, right? What intrigues mm -hmm. you? What kind of worlds do you want to be in? But if you've examined things that are quote non-traditional, but that made you come alive, you'll discover your strengths. Lean into those strengths. Don't focus on what you're not good at. I think women too often do that. We try to improve our weaknesses. Well, maybe a little bit, but do jobs where your strengths is the main function of the job. Yeah. And if you are a great networker and a lover of people and you've got a lot of enthusiasm, there's work that will, that will be what you do for a living and not just kind of a nice to have. So there's a lot more in the book, but those are, you know, hopefully some of those tips were helpful. Yeah, no, I think those, I think those are really good. And the other thing I would add, and I highlighted this and I, I've got it in front of me, I wanted to read this. You've got a story about somebody who has, I think, since you wrote the book, become quite famous, her initials mm -hmm. are AOC, and you have a very cool story. And the reason why I love this, I would love you to tell this story because it's really about us believing in ourselves and us speaking our dreams into the world. And yes. then that sisterhood holding us up and holding us accountable to those dreams. And it's not whether they happen or not. It's, it, it's that we make that declaration and we try and right. then we inspire each other as a result of that. So would you share that story? Yeah. Cause I just thought it was like, literally you said you cried. I'm like, I had tears in my yeah. eyes as I was yeah. reading it. It was, it was, it was just an unbelievable moment. I also think if you want help, you have to ask for it. Nobody gets to where they are without other people. And so whenever we do events that ladies get paid, you know, in the chat, I always say, be explicit about what you're looking for. You know, there's also that. So listen, well, we gave away who it is. So AOC, in the book, I like have kind of a lead up to it. So AOC was my friend from college. So full full disclosure, I knew her. I knew her then. When I started Ladies Get Paid, the second workshop that I ever organized was with a career coach who specializes in kind of getting unstuck in your career. And 
AOC, who did not go by AOC then, but went by Sandy. So Sandy reaches out and she said, I'm really unhappy at my job at the bar. And um, I'm going to come to your workshop. Okay, great. So she comes to the workshop. She ends up working for a few sessions with the career coach and realizes, you know what? She's always wanted to do things, you know, civically, politically, you know, her big question mark was, I think a little bit less about what she wanted to do, but more about, could she actually make this a living Mm. or did this need to be a side thing? I think that's a big question for a lot of women, right? Like does the thing that light me up, can it pay the bills? So that or, or that should resonates. it, you yeah, know, or, or should, should it? it, you know, a friend of mine started her career as a professional violinist and then realized, my God, trying to make money from this. And she was making money. She goes, I took out the joy of it. Uh, mm. So part of it is, can you make a living? And the other part is, do you maybe even want to, maybe this is just something on the weekends you do. And that brings you fulfillment and your job brings something else to you. So she, you know, part of the advice that was given to her that I love is just start doing small things right? Test it out. You don't need to quit your job and create a whole new career for yourself. You know, you can begin by maybe volunteering. And so she did, she got more civically engaged. She ended up working with me and this other woman. We created a class after the 2016 election to help more women understand how to get involved, right? There were all these folks who were like, I want to be an activist, but no clear idea of, well, what is even the system, right? State, you know, kind of local, state, federally, like, what am I, I can pick a subject, but like, what do I do with this? What am I getting involved with? And, and so in doing work with me and with other organizations, it became clear and clear that this was definitely a direction she could go in and it, she could make a living. She could make a living. Fast forward a year, I hosted a town hall called Reinvention and it was featuring women who had kind of rethought their careers and, you know, according to like really doing things that reflected their values. And by the way, when I say town hall, the structure of my town halls would be that I, I asked a number of women to share their stories first as a way of getting the room kind of warmed up. And I would then say, you know, who does this resonate with? You know, share your story. Do you have a question? Ask each other. You know, so I was sort of facilitating in a sense what's happening on Slack, right? And Sandy AOC was not on the panel. You know, she wasn't one of the women I'd asked to speak first, which I kind of laugh at because, you know, she hadn't really done anything with that. But she said the audience, there were 100 women there. She stood up and she said, I have always wanted to run for office, but people who look like me don't run for office, but I'm... I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run for office. And we all cheered. I cried because I knew her, right? And I knew we all cheered because the chance that she was going to win was so slim. She was going up against like a 20-year incumbent, a white older man. But that's what was so incredible is how brave she was to state her intention to do something where she might not even get it. And if she can do that, imagine, you know, we should all go we should all go for our dreams. There's nothing to lose, literally. And there's, you know, she would never regret it. So we cheered for that, for the bravery of declaring your intention. And of course, a year after that, we we all know what happened. That is, and if anybody hasn't picked up on this yet, we're talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> yeah. Youngest, wait, she's literally the youngest com- congresswoman yes. in history, right? Yes. Yeah, she is. Unbelievable. So I love that. And I'm so, I love the point that you made. And I want to pause on that point because literally everybody listening to this right now, women, we're we're largely women in this community, but we've got men in this Rebel Souls community as well. Like, let's pause and think about that. Declare, like, what is your wildest dream? Let's put it out there. And when we speak these into the world, things get into motion. And you said something else, Claire, that I love, because I always say every badass accomplishment is a series of tiny steps. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I love that you said, it's like, take the tiny steps, start the momentum, right? Get the universe moving around, you know, serving up whatever it is that you've, that you've declared or that you've set an intention around. And it's powerful. And speaking that into a community of women or into your community, just amplifies it. Yes. And that's how I've done everything and anything in my career. I, I've applied online and never, maybe once I got a job response for an interview. I mean, I never got my jobs through cold applications. It was all through relationships that I built and by expressing my ideas. Right. So here's what I would do if I were in that role here, opportunities that I see for yourself. Right. So I was already kind of thinking like an entrepreneur when I worked for other people 
in, in doing this, you know, and working for myself and I'd had another failed startup, although I think of myself as kind of practicing, I was practicing for ladies get paid. Uh, have you heard this, by the way, that fail is an acronym first attempt in learning. I just learned this the other day. Isn't that beautiful? Oh my, I do just blew my, who said that? Cause I want to give them credit. Although if you don't know, I'm going to give you credit. She was the woman who was citing it is in my community. And I can't remember which, which woman it was, but she said it was from somebody else who she didn't cite. So I don't know. You do not have to give me credit. I say, pay it forward. First attempt in learning is so, yeah, I think, I think it was a woman named Laura Fink, who's actually big in politics. She's incredible. So give her credit, but I, first attempt in learning. So that's what your startup is. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just had to say it because it felt so relevant to your message overall too. Right. And that, that means you have to just go and do it. I always declared what I was going to do before I was even ready. So, you know, Hey, we're going to do a conference. Like, I guess we have to do a conference now. You know, I've been getting a certificate in behavioral finance and financial psychology, and I've now been asked to speak at the wall street journal. I mean, and I made it clear to them, like, I haven't gotten my certificate yet, but I had a lot of ideas. And so I'm doing it. Am I ready? Well, I better be ready. You know, I'm doing a ton of research. I'm going to have a kick-ass presentation. But at the time when I agreed to it, did I have the presentation ready to go? Had I finished getting my degree? No, but that's okay. And I also am aware that whatever I do, you know, with the presentation or, or again, it's, it's the first attempt. It will get better after that. Yeah. Like my book came out. I'm incredibly proud of it. I think my second book will maybe even be better, right? So it's like, you just got to do the damn thing and then you got to learn from it and find other people who can lift you up. And otherwise we'll never know, right? Like never we know. don't start taking steps, putting stuff out there, putting our voice and our thoughts and our ideas, like you said, out there. How will we ever know? Right. You won't. We won't. We won't. So I'd love to, I, this feels like a good springboard to some of the other sections of the book where you talk about, and, and I'm not trying to give away everything in the book because there is 300 and something pages of yeah. like juicy goodness here that we could not cover in a 45 minute conversation. But you, it feels to me like you're sort of getting into like, how do we express our voices and how do we stand in our power? And it feels a little closer to, I know a big topic for you is often negotiation yeah. because that's where we as women, like, I know, like I was just sort of always like, oh my God, you know, okay, what am I, what am I worth? Oh, I just, they'll pay me what I'm worth, you know, hoping that they figure it out. And it's like, no, absolutely not. You've got to be super proactive. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that topic, especially for women who are out there now looking for work and, or, you know, looking to continue to, you know, make, make strides toward the top. Yeah. Listen, I don't listen you can assume the best about companies that they are trying to be fair. Let's like give them the benefit of the doubt. Does that mean you accept what they offer? No, because you have to do your own research. Also, the first number they present is so rarely the last number. And if they do say that, that's okay. You can negotiate for other things besides money. So they expect you to counter. You got to know your numbers though. So I would say after you do your market research, pick three numbers. You start strong. And I actually encourage women to be the first one to say it because you're anchoring high. Again, you're contextualizing it. I did my research. So you can be confident in that, that you're not saying a number that will scare them. But you can also sort of caveat it by saying, well, you can textualize it by saying, I did my research. This is what I found, but I'm open to having a conversation. What did you have in mind? Right? So it's there. It's not a, you know, take it or leave it unless it is a take it or leave it, in which case, you know, feel free. Assume they're going to counter with a lower number. You need to know what you're going to say next. I think that is often where we get tripped up. And I'm not going to say it's women specific, but we don't know what we're going to say next. We think it ends with, all right, well, here's what I'm suggesting. And they go, no, here's what I'm suggesting. And you go, okay, no, no, no. You get them up just a little bit more because that's what a compromise looks like. Then you talk about full compensation. Okay. Mm -hmm. These are things that don't cost the company much money or any money. They bring you value. These are things that they will be happy to give you as part of your package. Because if they can't get the number that you want as your salary, well, they'll go, well, good. I'm glad we can give her, you know, some budget to go to a conference, career development, or more, you know, vacation days or a different title, a signing bonus. Okay. If you're listening to this, you're thinking, oh, Claire, if they can't give me a higher base salary, you know, how are they going to have money for a signing bonus? Different budgets, 
different departments. hundred percent. Yes. I'm not making this up. I've talked to a lot of recruiters. I've heard from a lot of women in our community. One woman was able to get a signing bonus recently that ended up with her bonus plus her salary. It got her to the base that she was looking for originally. So she actually ended up making the dollar amount that she wanted, but it got there. They were creative about coming to that compromise. And that's what a negotiation is. It's not a win-lose. They're on your side. They want you to be there. You've worked there long enough to get a raise or you've gotten this far in the interview process where they're offering you right an amount. So you can always reiterate, I'm excited to work here. Both of us, we're going to make it work together. How do we get closer to what I'm asking for? I know you're a place that you know, cares about gender equity and fairness. If you were in my position, what would you do? See how it's, it's really getting you to be on the same side. And it's also holding them accountable to fairness, Yeah, to fairness. Blame it on ladies get paid at the end of the day. If you need to <laughs> say, I'm, I'm asking for this big amount. I'm swinging, you know, I'm swinging big ladies get paid, told me to do it. So I got to go for it. What do you think? You know, and maybe with a little bit of a sense of humor and yes, you can do all of this during the pandemic. A lot of companies, even if they're quote struggling, have actually saved money by, you know, having nobody be traveling. They used to have a travel budget, possibly, you know, the rent has been lowered for them. So they're picking up money in other ways too. So never make an assumption that they can't pay you. You always have to ask. And many businesses are thriving more than ever in the midst of this pandemic. So let's not lose sight of that either. So what strikes me in everything that you just said, I I just wrote down language matters. And the thing that I was thinking, and I can't remember if this, if you address this in the book, but the idea that especially as women, we sometimes use what my friend Helen Appleby calls leaky language, like you know, well, I I just have a question or this may seem silly or all of that. Do you talk about that? Because that seems so critical in how we present ourselves, how we step into our power, how we do our negotiations. Language matters, right? Oh, a thousand percent. I think oftentimes it's not really what you say that's as important as how you say it. Yeah. Um, I often illustrate that with, I like act out two different like lines and I'm doing it in two different ways. And it really makes, makes a huge difference, right? I just have a question. I actually have a question. I'm no expert, but I'm saying, sorry. Oh, oh the sorry can, thing is bad. Yeah. See if you can replace it though. It's oftentimes easier to, to replace a behavior than just try to get rid of it. So instead of, I'm sorry, it could be, thanks for your patience or excuse me, or, you know, pardon me or whatever. So that that's always important. One other thing about asking for money or asking, you know, whether it's a negotiation or, or it's time for the promotion conversation, you really have to make the case that you have brought in money to the company. Okay. That is hard depending on your role. If you're in sales, easy. You can say, well, this is how much money I brought in. If you are more of the behind the scenes person or doing things that are a little bit more nebulous, which could be, you know, HR or marketing, by the way, these are roles predominantly held by women. Men have roles that are predominantly tied, directly tied to bringing in money. So for a moment, let's just say, all right, well, maybe there's some sexism here, but actually a lot of it comes from it's easier for them to just make the case. So that means we have to really do our due diligence in, did we save resources? We're multitaskers. Did we save time, right? Productivity, if we've been motivators for our team, right? We're team players, you know, raising team morale. Well, that gets people to stay at the company longer and it's expensive for the company to lose employees. So not that it it is a little bit harder to tell that story, but you absolutely have to tell it. You have to quantify it as best as you can because you're not going to get the money simply because you deserve it. Even though yes. I just, I know you deserve it. You're not going to simply get the money because it's market rate. It's, I believe I'm a top performer and therefore that's commensurate with top dollar. Don't assume that they know that and try to be, you know, talking about these things all throughout the year as well, making it clear that you want to grow. Otherwise you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to get this all out during one meeting. And they may have already decided what compensation is going to look like. So try to find out when budgets are decided and really articulate your story then. 
And having, I would imagine having ongoing conversations with sponsors within the organization, with your boss, you know, with your people so that it doesn't feel like last minute, like I need this promotion. I deserve this promotion. I demand this promotion, but it's an ongoing organic conversation about what you're really delivering to the company and where, what your expectations are for your growth. Absolutely. And bring ideas too. So you can say, and you should say, I want to be a leader here. I want to grow. I'm curious, you know, in your own career, you know, like people love to talk about themselves, but they're busy. So you don't want to say, what do you think I should do to grow here? Have some suggestions. Could be shadowing a person who's above you, getting to know what they do more in depth, right? Again, going to a conference or, you know, buying my book and having, you know, having them expensive. So, so do have specific suggestions, specific suggestions as well. I love that. So I guess I kind of want to wrap up here and then I want to talk, just end with like the kinds of thing work that you do in the corporate world, because I have a lot of people in this community who either are from or still in the corporate world who might be looking for what you've, what you've got to bring in. So I do, I want to make sure that we talk about like, what kind of topics do you go in and and address the thing that I want to, I guess, say first, I'm curious your thoughts. I wrote down that the other, one of the other great intersecting points of sabbatical and how, what the, all the stuff I talk about and ladies get paid and all the stuff you talk about is this whole idea of reframing how we view success Mm. and doing it on our terms. And so I'm an advocate for rewriting the script of success. And the way I talk about it is success full, like F-U-L-L, because it comes from a place of fulfillment versus success empty, which is what I felt like when I was the chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson. And it was like this sweet fucking job. So cool. You must have really cool merch though. <laughs> I do back at my Chicago place, not down yeah. here in Naples yeah. right now, but I do, I do. And yeah. I had a killer motorcycle at the time too, <gasps> but, but you taught, and then so a lot of this resonates with me because I think on my, you know, decades long corporate career. And I think about being at the top of the mountain and going, why do I feel so empty inside? And I loved that you hit on that because it mm-hmm. is an important piece of like, it's not just moving along for the money. I agree with you billions for billions and billions for impact. Amen, sister, all day long. And if it's not lighting us up, it is never going to feel good. No, 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 no. I mean, I always operate backwards from, you know, will I regret not doing this? If I were hit by a bus tomorrow, God forbid, you know, would I, would I stand by the way that I live my life? That has been my guiding force to everything that I do with always in the back of my mind, how do I make a living? So I'm not saying you just like jump off a bridge, you know, that you're like throw caution to the wind or whatever. I mean, clearly ladies get paid. We want you to be compensated. I, you know, I tell this story in the book. I had a mentor early on in my career that I really credit with getting me to think in what you just said, that's so incredible, successful. Mm -hmm. He said, how do you define success? And as I began to answer it, he kept pushing me saying, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm. I was like, well, I haven't said anything. Like, what are you wagging your finger at me? Well, whose voice is driving you right now? Uh, and he said, your mother's voice, your father's, try again. So I started to respond again. Well, here's how I define success. Wait a minute. You know, he kept making me start over. And finally, and, and this was so wonderful because it was instinctual. And I think instinct is so important and we don't give enough, you know, we don't trust it enough. We don't listen to it enough. I just blurted out freedom, freedom, like for whatever word, like that, just, I visualize that as success. And then what he worked with me on and where I should say, I worked with myself a little bit more on was how does that get manifested in my life, both personally, professionally, what's the kind of lifestyle I want to live, right? So what is a, a life of freedom look like? And then where does a career and how does a career fit into that? And then, all right, what are my financial goals? Okay. Then we add that. And it's fine to kind of finding like the intersection of all of this. And so it's so personal, like how I define freedom may be totally different. Maybe for another person, it's like really financial freedom and they want to make a lot of money, but they're okay, you know, trading time. Maybe they're okay with working, you know, at their job for many, many hours a day because their payoff is going to happen when they're a partner. And, but they've just, they've looked at their life and they go, okay, well, I know that's going to happen in 10 years. I'm okay. So that's why you really have to dig into this for yourself and reflect because it's going to change four years, eight years, like priorities change and 
you have to keep going. Does this still, is that definition still my definition and have the choices I have made or I'm making, are they aligned with that definition? And if not, what's the change that I can make that's small to go back to what we were sort of talking about earlier. I never want anybody to get to a point where they've, they're so frustrated and resentful that they want to just like completely rip a bandaid off. Or if you do, that's great. Just don't hold me responsible. (laughs) That's all I have to say. Well, no, and I love you're creating that awareness for people because that's a lot of what's in my book too, is like my own awakening and my own realization of some of these things, like, you know, really like the truth of my soul that I had been ignoring and pushing down and really living my dad's dream to the point that you just made. So I, I wanted to hit on that point because I, I just wanted to hear your, I wanted to hear your perspective. I love the story that you yeah. shared. And it's a reminder to all of us, like we can frame success on our own terms. Yeah. Your success is going to look different from my success is going to look different from anybody else's success who's listening to this right now. And that's okay. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's yes. what we want it to be. So I wanted to put a finer point on that. So thanks for going there with me. Now let's talk about what kind of work do you do in corporations? And then how can people find you? Because I know a lot of people are going to find this very, very, very juicy. Oh, good. And I would love to continue teaching. By the way, I have received more requests to teach and to speak at companies during the pandemic than I ever had before. Mm-hmm. So clearly they do have some budget. Okay. They do have somebody because yes, I do charge and <laughs> I'm going to be teaching at NASA. So that's what? congratulations. Uh, I know, that's I know. Epic. I know. And and I'll get to, you know, and it's at the Jet Propulsion Lab. Well, at it's at it's at Zoom, but for the Jet Propulsion Lab. And so part of that is the team who just landed the rover Mars, you know. Anyway, super okay, wait. So what are you talking? Can you tell us what you're talking about for them? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a number of subjects that I teach. For them, it's gonna be sort of it's I think it's called change the title recently. So find your power, how to advocate for yourself at work. It basically covers a lot of what the book is, right? Internal obstacles that might be stopping you from stepping into your power, finding allies and advocates at work, really identifying and leaning into your strengths, going where there's growth at the company. So being able to say, okay, here's where the company's investing. I want to be part of that right? Getting visibility. So I've been teaching a lot of that class surprisingly, or I don't know, maybe not surprisingly, many, many companies have me come in and teach salary negotiation. Though I do warn them, I say, listen, success from my class is if they all come in and ask you for a raise. So I just, just want to be clear. Sometimes, you know, the, they want just the internal, all right. So the imposter syndrome, the perfectionism, So that's, you know, or they'll do a fireside with me or I'll do a keynote about kind of the state of women at work. You mean, that's usually what it is. I have not done official consulting with companies on how to be more inclusive. We have partners that we suggest them to, right? DEIB specialists. So that we are here to improve your company culture by speaking directly to women and giving them a space to feel comfortable and tangible skills. And it's all about them moving ahead, moving up and being more committed to their job. So I, it's, again, I've just been so impressed that companies recognize the value of this and that they're, you know, putting their money where their mouth is. Cause again, I do charge. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and good. I'm glad you do. And it is a much needed conversation, right? And I love that companies are realizing their cultures need to evolve. Their advocacy around these topics needs to evolve. So yay, that gives me hope. So now where can people find you and the book? Yeah. So best place to go is ladiesgetpaid.com. You're going to, you know, see a place to sign up. You're going to get added to Slack. You'll receive our newsletter with events. We do this point. I think we're doing three events a week, webinars and firesides and office hours, many of them free. And there's no, you know, no fee to join Slack. If you want to buy the book, which I hope you all do now it's ladiesgetpaid.com slash book bunch of buttons on there where you can buy them from whatever your preferred sources, independent bookstores, Barnes and Noble. If you did not dislike my voice, I read the book. So it's on Audible. It's also on I got to record mine too. Was that the highlight? It was really fun. Yeah, it was. Oh my God. But I had had to do it at home. I'm sure you got to go to a fun studio. I did get to go to a fun studio because I, you know, I I outpaced COVID by only eight weeks, (laughs) but at least I got to record in a studio. Well, hey, listen, at least I got to record in my pajama pants. So there's- Totally. totally. Yeah. And then the best, best place to get in touch with me 
If you are on Instagram, go to Claire Gets Paid. I respond to every DM. If you do not have Instagram, that's unusual, but you could email me at Claire at ladiesgetpaid.com and you spell Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E. But Shelly, I'm sure you're going to put all this in the show notes. We will put every last bit of it in the show notes, but I wanted you to speak it out loud and we'll make sure it gets in the show notes. And I could talk to you all day long. I know you've got a busy schedule and I can't compete with the likes of GMA. I am so proud of you, girl. I just have to say like, one bravo this is amazing that you're you know you're just continuing to carry this torch and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's global and now it's a book and i can't even wait to hear what it becomes next as this movement you know gets toward a billion yeah and- wow i you know i by the way for everybody listening if you're feeling as overwhelmed as i am hearing all this i'm a big believer in naps okay so build a movement while also taking breaks so I, I just want to be clear. I'm a nap taker throughout. Oh all my God. This. I love that. I love that you said that I actually was feeling with my personal family situation this morning, everything I was feeling so overwhelmed. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to do my first meeting of the day. Instead, I'm going to go walk outside because yep. I'm in Florida and it's a beautiful and it's a silver lining to the situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to do like, you know, a walk a tape, which is sort of like yep. walking meditation. And mm-hmm. it was beautiful. So I agree. Walks, naps, get in nature, meditate, do whatever, like gives you that breathing, deep breathing and box breathing are two. I'm a big fan of. I love that we ended on that. I feel like you are a soul sister. I cannot wait to connect with you after this. And I'm really honored that you came on. Thank you so much. Yeah. IRL. I'll find you in LA. Yes, <laughs> IRL yes. when I'm back, but it's been such an honor. And I love that we could do this for International Women's Day and just keep like celebrating the cause and moving Thank it you. forward. And thanks for the work that you're doing, Shelly. And oh, yeah. uh, we'll talk soon about the book writing process. Yes, a hundred percent. We may actually have to do another episode. Yes. When you get when you get through all of this, let's yes. do an episode on the book writing and book promotion and all of that process. But in the meantime, you and I are talking about it in LA over coffee somewhere outside. Yes, yes. <laughs> Claire, thank you so much for being with us. This has been amazing to spend this time with you, and you gave so many good juicy nuggets to the community. We're all really grateful. Thank you. And thanks for everything that you're doing, Shelly, and for giving me an opportunity to do one of my favorite things, which is to talk. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Oh, another <laughs> thing we have in common. Yeah. I love it. And Rebel Souls, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting and advocating for women and for all of us standing together as a sisterhood with the men who advocate for us as well. Love you guys and tune in next time. Bye. Hey, Rebel. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review so our fellow rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at soulbatical.com and follow me at soulbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?